Hi, I'm Amanda and welcome to Self. On this podcast, I share ideas, experiences and have conversations to explore the self. By developing our own self-awareness, we can better show up for ourselves and those around us and hopefully all live happier and healthier lives. Today's episode is about relationships and I'm going to be sharing five valuable lessons that I've learned so far. It's a non-exhaustive list, um, but came from some things that I've been thinking about following a video that was sent to me. So a couple of weeks ago, my friend sent me a video to watch and it was made by um, a couple of vloggers, Nas Daily and Eileen, and they were together for six years. And this was a post breakup video sharing about their separation and the breakdown of their relationship. My friend was like, hey, I want your opinion on this and talk about it on the podcast. Now, I don't like commenting on other people's relationships. And I think even if people kind of give you an insight into something, it's still really not the full picture. I don't think we can ever truly understand without being a part of someone's experience what that really was like for each of them individually. What I did hear though in the video reminded me of things that I've heard echoed in myself and in friends and a lot of people around me. And something I thought about was lessons that I've learned, lessons that I think many of us have learned and, you know, we share with people. And in a sense, these are lessons I guess I wish I had known, maybe things that I wish I'd known when I was younger, you know, (laughs) in my early, early years of dating. But at the same time, I think in part that perhaps part of the experience of life is having to learn these things for ourselves. So as much as I'm sharing this in this episode, I think a part of it is probably going to be stuff that you already know. Maybe it's just a reminder um, for you. Maybe this is just a reminder for me as well. Um, But these are five of the many, many lessons I've learned about relationships. And And I think that they also don't have to be exclusively tied to romantic relationships either, but these are just some of them. Um, So the first one is to know your core values and know the other person's. And like I said, I don't think this is exclusive to romantic partners, but I do think that that's probably where it's like most pivotal and important. Now, if you were to ask yourself, what are your core values? Do you have an answer for that? If you don't know generally what core values are, I would say that they're essentially guiding principles in life that determine and guide the way in which you make decisions, what you do, how you choose to do it, why you do it. And the reason why this is so important is because these are the things I think inside that really drive and motivate us to act, to behave a certain way. It determines our core belief system. It determines how we treat people, how we expect to be treated. There's so much that's tied into our values and a clash of values, which I've certainly learned, feels beyond uncomfortable. It feels like something's wrong, right? Um, And ultimately, 
for me, a, a great lesson, maybe this can be 1.1a, lesson 1a, is that we're not compatible with everyone. And I think part of that is in the misalignment of core values. I think it's super important to be aligned and to be on the same page with, say, at least the overwhelming majority of your core values. I would say if you've got five core values that you live by, that that needs to align with uh, in terms of a life partner, probably four, if not all of them, um, for a relationship to really work. You know, for, for me, one of my core values is integrity and that looks like saying what I mean, meaning what I say. So I try to be quite meticulous with my word and, um, yeah, if, if I say I'm going to do something that I've thought about it carefully before I agree to things and so that when I'm in, it's like I'm, I'm really in, right? And a mismatch to that might be someone who's like, just says yes to stuff kind of willy-nilly and then later on is like, oh, no, I actually didn't want to do that. So I have found that in friendships and that's been quite challenging for me where I've had friends who just love like the, you know, talking about stuff and going, yeah, yeah, we should do this. Like, let's plan this. Let's organize. Let's commit to this. And I say yes. And I mean it. And I'm like, yep, I'm fully in. And I actually start to make plans around that for then the other person to be like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Um, And that's quite hurtful for me. So that's something that really matters to me. And in a partner, I would need someone who is also aligned in the same way. Um, Another one of my core values is coming, is acting from a place of kindness and making decisions that are kind both to myself and to others. And, you know, I've been in a relationship before where that has not been someone's core value and the way that they've then made decisions has been so conflicting for me and then it's also impacted the way that I've been treated the way that they interpret my actions and so there's so much there I think to unravel and it you know dynamics between people are already so complicated so by not knowing what your core values are and being true to yourself and honoring yourself by acknowledging them and communicating them, what we do is we end up, you know, trying to align with someone else's and then there just feels like a mismatch. And it is ultimately, it's a misalignment um, and an incompatibility because if you've got quite contrasting values, there's just going to be a clash. And I think I used to approach relationships as like anything, you know, like it can always work. Like if you love each other, it's going to work. I've certainly learned this is probably one B is it's, that's just not the reality. You know, I think if you have something like a clash of significant core values, I don't really believe that the relationship is actually going to work. I think that that requires and what it will demand is a significant level of compromise but compromising your core values will eat away at who you are as a person. 
you know, if these are guiding principles for your life, they determine how you are in the world, who you are, the way that you make decisions and continuously compromising that over a long period of time just eats away at you. So it's okay that we don't align our values with everyone, but selection of a partner should come down to, I don't want to say like, you know, you could do whatever you want, but for me, I have chosen to choose a partner and consider what their values are. And I think that that's very, very important. And looking back at my past relationships, I can see where aligning in core values has been so helpful and deeply connecting and not aligning has been um, beyond just difficult, almost damaging sounds like too much, but it, but it definitely causes a level of disconnect, a level of hurt. And yeah, sometimes it was damaging. So that's lesson number one. Lesson number two is when people show you who they are, believe them. And in the same way for yourself, show up as you are. Be honest to the other person with who you are, you know. So I think there are some early stages when you're getting to know someone and, you you know, you want to put your best foot forward always. And even maybe with friends we do this where we're, you know, showing up and, making little compromises we're trying to be this great person the 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 picture perfect best version of ourselves always um and while i i'm not saying i'm I'm definitely not saying day one show another person absolutely everything there is to reveal about you but being authentic and honest about stuff um, about again, your, your values about who you are and just show up as you are. And then the flip side to that is when the other person shows up as they are, and if they show you who they are to really believe that and to, as much as you can step outside of that bubble, that bias bubble that exists because you might have rose colored glasses on and you're seeing something and making excuses for it. You know, if I'm going to put out a, a fake example out there, but if you have someone who will tell little lies constantly over like perhaps things that are quite insignificant or don't really matter. I would personally, as someone who values honesty and truth, just question like what's going on, you know, like, hey, I'd noticed this. I noticed that you, you know, tend to lie about these little things and try and bring it up in conversation and just approach that. But ultimately I also look at the way that people behave and recognize and just say like, Hey, that's, that's who they are as a person. Like maybe, maybe it's not something super serious or maybe they are a bit dishonest. You know, maybe there's someone, they are a person who lies about things a lot, or maybe they are someone who tells kind of half truths and 
feels pretty okay with doing that? And then how do I feel about that? Do I want to be linked in in a relationship with someone who is like this? Um, I also look at the way that people treat others and speak about others. Again, for me, one of my values is kindness. And so something that I noticed in an old friend last year was the way that they would speak about other people was just extremely unkind. And I remember sitting there and thinking, you know, there are times when you've been really kind to me, but actually if I kind of step back and look at who you are and how you are, you're not actually really that kind of a person at all. You know, you kind of present yourself this way in front of people and then behind their backs, you're saying all this stuff to me. And there was just a bit of a aha wake up kind of moment for me. And I, I've learned over a long time, I think, of um, seeing people as they are that ultimately I do believe that people show you who they are pretty early on. Besides, you know, big things that might happen here and there, but if you kind of just step back and you observe people and observe yourself even, you do get an image. You get a pretty clear image. And I think in the case of a romantic relationship, we hold up a mirror to each other. So I've always seen that in relationships, I see myself a lot clearer and then the other person sees themselves a lot clearer. And as a result, we end up presenting truer, hopefully truer versions of ourselves. So however it is that people show up, believe that. And that can be a beautiful thing. That can be people, you know, I've got great friends who I've spoken about um, and I will probably echo their names for the rest of my life. But Beck and Nick are two girls who have always shown me who they really are from when we were 13 years old all the way to now. And and I believe that. And it's because of the positive belief in the incredible people that they are that we are still friends today, I think, all between the three of us. Um, and when people show you that they are worthy of trust, trust them. When people show you that they are kind, believe that. So it's not just from this negative perspective of uh, people showing, you know, their their dark side. There's also the other side, the light side. So believe, believe people when they show you who they are. That's lesson number two. The third thing, I guess, following on from this is don't wait around expecting people to change the in the way that you want them to. So this was something that um, Nas and Eileen spoke about in their video and something that I have heard myself say in the past as well, which is like, I was just waiting for you to dot, dot, dot. Now, from my experience, I think this is more common with women. 
massive generalization there. I hear that. Um, but this is my experience from speaking to both men and women. Usually from my observations, it's not the case that men are typically waiting around. Obviously we're talking about heterosexual relationships here that men aren't typically waiting around for their partner's to change in a certain way and then it's like oh then our relationship will be better but I've often heard from women who have a desire include also women including myself I've been there multiple times uh we have this desire and an expectation for our partners to change in a certain way And we'll bring it to their attention and essentially say, like, this needs to change. And it's not really necessarily presented as an ultimatum, but essentially it's like this needs to change in order for our relationship to be improved and to get better and blah, blah, blah. Um, And you, well, more specifically, it's not even like this needs to change. It's you need to change. Um, And I'm just going to sit here and hope and expect for that to happen. And this ties in with the idea of, you know, when people show you who they are, believe them. I have been the person who has waited around um, for someone to work on things and to figure things out. And when I would ask myself this question, I would ask myself, would you stay in this relationship if he never changed? Like, would you stay in this relationship if he stays like this for the rest of your lives together? And my answer was no. But what I would do is hold on to that speck of hope and expectation and put everything into that basket and go, I'm just going to wait until he figures this out though, because once he does, that'll just solve everything and it's a lie that we tell ourselves because ultimately there's like likely to be so much more it's never really just this one this one thing right like we we focus on this one thing because it's easier for us to do that than to truly acknowledge perhaps that there's more than that but we go if just this one thing like if in this video I think she said something about like if I was just waiting around for you to start the company so then you would spend more time with me or like carve out more quality time for us together and when I thought about that I was like you know if someone isn't making time for you and you bring it to their attention you bring the impact that it's having on you and on your relationship if you bring it to their attention and what you're told is like once I'm done with this you know then like then at that point maybe then at that stage in our life we'll have more um for me I look at people now anyway I like to look at people just as they are like what are the actions saying to you if someone is extremely busy and I've got friends who are extremely live very successful lives uh business executives and they intentionally make time and it is extremely challenging but I've got friends with young families who make time for their partners for their children 
and it's difficult, but there's always this effort to do that. You know, it's never a, I'm going to put all of these things first and you become a last priority and maybe one day somewhere you'll become a priority. And and we can often sell ourselves this lie of like, oh, it's just that they need to focus on this at the moment. Um, and once they're done with it, then I'm going to be a priority. It's like, if you're not a priority, you're not a priority. That's the reality. If um, someone, you know, I've, I've been in a relationship where I have just been mistreated and unheard and treated quite unkindly (laughs) Um, and me waiting around for that to change is a waste of time, to be honest. Um, And that was something that I learned. It was because, again, people show you who they are and asking and waiting for that to change. And if everything is riding on that to change, right, that requires you to ultimately compromise what is truly good for you and aligned with you. And so coming back to that question that I asked myself, which is if this one thing that I want them to change stay that way forever, would I stay in this? If the answer is no, then perhaps that sheds a lot of light anyway. Um, And, you know, I think you hear this a lot in abusive relationships, in relationships where people, partners have cheated and it's like, oh, but it's like just this, we we tend to make these excuses because we want it to work and we hope and expect. Um, but the reality is people do change. We all change. My hope is like we're always constantly growing and moving forward in a positive direction. But yeah, we're, we're continually changing as people shaped by decisions, environment, relationships with other people. But we also change on our own accord and in our own timeline. You know, you might have insight on an individual that they don't have on themselves. You might see the potential for someone. And I've seen that in past partners before, in friends as well, where it's like I see the potential for who you could be. And and even as I'm saying this, I'm like, kind of a dick thing to say to someone it's like I see this potential in you you could be such a better human um but you don't see it in yourself but the thing is it's not my job to enforce that change it's not my job to rush that it's not my job to even ensure that they get to that like maybe people don't maybe there are lessons that people don't learn and that's all right um but what I can't do is sit around expecting people to change into something that I want them to change to. And in the same way, um, I would hope that someone else wouldn't do that for me. You know, my development, my growth happens as I'm learning and moving through life. Um, But I've only got control over myself. You've only got control over yourself. And so that's the limit to what we can do is just... you know, control ourselves, make our decisions and affect change in the way that we do around us. But we can't project that hope and expectation onto someone else. So that's lesson number three. Lesson number four, 
is that relationships require work and there are hard times, but the relationship itself should not be hard. Now, this was and has been such a crucial and difficult lesson for me to learn because for me growing up, relate like what I saw in my parents' marriage was chaos and lots of conflict, um, you know, abuse. It was riddled with like extreme love and affection and constant fighting and arguing. So just this whole array and spectrum of intensity and emotions and confusion. So there's so much there. Um, And then you hear these phrases like, you know, marriage is hard work, relationships are hard work. And I mean, I think that's probably the one thing you hear echoed all the time, that it's hard, hard, hard. And whatever we put meaning to this word hard is probably different depending on who you are and what you've experienced growing up, the relationships that you've been able to witness and see around you and the relationships that you've been in. So I think my approach was always this willingness to deeply suffer in relationships because I saw it in my parents and I was like, this is a relationship. There is a lot of sacrifice, a lot of suffering. It's painful. It's all of these things that I, I don't believe that today. I don't believe that a good, healthy relationship is actually in itself hard. What I do believe is that they require work and they require effort and investment of time and energy and a willingness to grow as an individual, to grow as a partnership, to grow as a team. Uh, and there are times and moments where things can be really hard and that can be seasons, you know, whether that's um, in having children or in a financially difficult time for the both of you, whatever it is, you know, death in the family. I think, you know, in in terms of a long relationship, there are moments and having hard moments or seasons ultimately present opportunities for connection, for teamwork, to build on the foundation of a relationship. But if the entire relationship feels hard, I dare say it's probably not the right relationship or is not a healthy relationship. And in my previous relationship, I felt that. I remember waking up most days and just being like, this relationship feels so hard. And then telling myself, oh, but relationships are hard work. So, you know, this is normal and this is okay. And coming out of that and now being in a really wonderful, healthy relationship filled with a lot of love and great communication and healthy boundaries and discussions about values and everything. I'm like, oh, a relationship doesn't have to be impossibly hard. A relationship doesn't have to be so painful and 
filled with angst and worry and fear and all of this stuff, like it doesn't have to be so hard. And honestly, if it is, hanging on to that for even the the year and a half that I was, was like hard enough. I look back and I'm like, how on earth did you actually deal with that? You know, so then thinking about long-term in the space of, you know, if you want to be with someone for life, five, 10, 20, 30 years, it's like, that's a lot of suffering to go through if it's going to be this hard all the time. And I was thinking last night about analogies and I love, (laughs) I love a good analogy. And I've been looking at the bricks in our house a lot lately. And I started to think about relationships being, being like a house that you're building where the bricks are moments of effort, of sacrifice, of compromise, of whether they're extremely significant or minor moments, more, more than anything, they're probably the day-to-day little efforts that we invest into a relationship. They're the bricks. And the cement that sits in between are all the happy, joyful moments. You know, or maybe you could flip that. I don't know. But anyway, let's go with this one because this is what I started journaling. Um, and now if you just have the bricks, if you just have effort and sacrifice and, you know, little challenging moments and points of contention and all of that and you just build brick on brick on brick and you have no cement, you have none of the joy and the great times together and the moments of ease and flow, well then eventually you stack the bricks are going to fall, right? Um, And likewise, if you just have all the good stuff and you don't have any of the bricks, if you just keep layering cement upwards, um and it doesn't dry, it's just going to kind of, you know, cement is (laughs) thick but liquidy, so it will just drip out and collapse down. You're never actually going to build anything. Look, someone's probably going to message me and say you can build a cement wall. I'm sure that there are ways to make a structure, but I'm saying if you just layer cement on cement, it's not going anywhere. And so what you need are these two things together the building of bricks and cement and these layers that work together in order to build the the walls, the foundation of a house. Um, And those, that work, that's the work that we put into relationships. It's the effort, it's time, it's energy that we put in. And perhaps some of those bricks are the hard moments. You know, maybe there's a whole wall in one season where things were a lot more challenging, but, you know, kind of like when you're building a house, you want it to be able to withstand weather. So it's all of these moments that build up together that ultimately pay off and I suppose give the structure of your relationship um, the ability to be able to withstand more challenging times. But yeah, ultimately the lesson that I have learned is yes, relationships require all of that work and they're also really awesome and you ha- there's so much joy and love and goodness that comes from a really great romantic relationship that I don't believe you can 
really get anywhere else. I think likewise, I would actually say incredible deep friendships, long lasting friendships. There's something so special in there that I also think you can't get anywhere else that is separate to from romantic relationships as well. So there's all of this beauty that comes from relationships and in order to to enjoy a lot of that we go through hard moments but the relationship itself should not be hard so that's lesson number four lesson number five final one um on this non-exhaustive list of course is that communication is a skill to be learned that vulnerability is an incredible thing and that we, most of us, have not learned to to communicate well. You know, we all bring our childhood, our wounds, our past experiences, past relationships into a relationship. We bring it with us into life. For most of the time, when we're just dealing with like colleagues or acquaintances and stuff, that stuff doesn't come out, you know, because these interactions are, aren't so significant. They don't go deep down into those layers. But in a relationship, we hold up mirrors and so these parts come out. So my question is, do you know what yours are? Do you know what it is that you come into a relationship with? And then does the other person know what theirs are, what theirs is, what theirs are? (laughs) And when we tie that back into communication, I think we can develop our skills of communication over time. It's ultimately something that we do. Communication both in firstly, first and foremost, in listening, really being able to hear other people on what they're saying and then being able to effectively communicate what it is that you want to say. And what I said there about vulnerability, being very honest rather than perhaps reactive, rather than accusatory is coming from a place of like, oh, ouch, like I've, that really hurt. Whatever it was, that action or something you said, I've just been hurt by that because of this, because of my wounds, because of my past experiences. And being able to communicate that clearly is an important skill that I have seen now for sure in my current relationship. I've seen how beautiful and beneficial it is to be able to share who you are and to communicate your experience Um in a way that another person can also receive and then being able to receive that from another person. There's so much healing that can come from that. And when we're able to communicate, when we're able to share and we're able to listen, there's a beautiful space then that's held for two individuals to show up as they are and then to work through things that come up as we hold up these mirrors for each other. And so, you know, communication, back to that lesson of communication is a skill. It's not something that we are suddenly born with the ability to communicate very well, not to mention communicate when we're feeling 
intense emotions, for instance. And if you've been fortunate enough to grow up in a household with parents who communicated really well and you were able to learn that skill, that's a fantastic thing. But I think a lot of people haven't been afforded that great opportunity. I know I wasn't. So it meant that even though I considered myself a great communicator because I was always willing to talk and share and all of that, I wasn't actually a great communicator early through my 20s. There was a lot of violent communication, in fact, um, because that's just what I'd learned and grown up with. And so I needed to break down how it was that I was communicating and sharing my experience and what that actually looked like and how it would be received by other people and then learn how to effectively communicate so that when I shared, it was honest, you know, coming back to that, my value of integrity was like I was actually meaning what I'd say and not just say things. Communication really isn't just blurting things out um, or just saying whatever it is that's on your mind. It's, for me anyway, like effective communication is the ability to hear and to uncover layers and to be able to uh, bring across a message and to share an experience um, in a genuine an authentic way from a place of vulnerability uh, and to do so in a way that can be received. And it's it's being considerate of another person's experience and what they come with and it's being considerate of your own. And I think that skill is one that takes time and communicating with different people requires different communication skills. Like ultimately it's, you know, the general skills of commu- communication, but being able to personalise our communication with an individual I think can have a massive impact. And, yeah, vulnerability from Brene Brown, uh, you know, I think one of the lines that she says that really changed my life is vulnerability is courage. And I really do believe that, that when we are able to be vulnerable and to be open, that we are most aligned with ourselves and in the right spaces that vulnerability will be received well and hopefully we can also receive that well from someone else as well. So yeah, these are five valuable lessons that I've learned from relationships and I hope that, you know, these have brought some things to light for you, whether maybe you've learned something new, maybe you haven't. Um, But thank you for tuning in and listening to this week's episode. Uh, I am here every Thursday, you know, just grinding. So I really appreciate you for following the podcast, for subscribing. Please subscribe on YouTube as well. You can watch these episodes there. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can follow me along on Instagram at self double underscore podcast and at Amanda Latran. That's Amanda L-A-T-R-A-N. And I will see you next Thursday. Bye.